that they that we can do it too. So it's good to see you this morning. Uh, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Let's go ahead on and get into the Word of God. Father, we thank you and praise you for our time together this morning. And Lord, as always, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be acceptable in your sight because you are my Lord, you are my strength, and you are my Redeemer. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Many of you know that on March 14 of this year, uh, tragedy struck our nation when an 18-year-old young man chose to deliberately go to a black community in Buffalo, New York, and uh, for the express purpose of, of uh, killing black people. He decided to stream his, his murderous act on a streaming platform. We all were witnesses to the fallout of all of that. Well, two days later, I received a text from my godson. And it simply said, yo, Uncle Ron, can you give me a call? I said, sure. And I called him. And the essence of his phone call was this. He said, I'm really, really struggling with what I witnessed because my godson actually stumbled upon the live stream. He actually saw it in real time because he's on gaming platforms and things like that. And so he's really, really struggling trying to make sense out of what took place. And I said, well, let me think about yeah, and let me get back with you. And I got a follow-up phone call from his dad saying, hey, can you, can you talk to your godson? I said, well, he's already called, and I'm processing with him already. And so I, I decided to, to say, well, I decided to give him some verses of Scripture. I said, well, maybe I'll let him listen to the, the message I gave a year ago in May uh, when we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Mar uh, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On uh, song. And so I said, why don't you take a listen to that sermon series and get back with me. So he did, and, and we talked, and it didn't quite turn out the way I expected. I expected him to say, yeah, that really, really helped. In one level, Deacon Fred, it helped but on another level, it left lingering questions for him. Because what he concluded from that was, well, I guess if, as Paul said, we're going to have these perilous times, these difficult times, then maybe there ain't nothing we can do. And when I got off the phone, I was rather grieved in my spirit and said, I didn't do a real good job processing that with him and so several days later I went back to him and I shared some of what I shared with him with my Sunday school that I'm going to share with you this morning so the essence of my sermon is going to be centered around how do you navigate perilous times how do you navigate the reality of what Paul said in 2nd Timothy chapter 3 when he told Timothy that in the last days perilous or difficult times are going to come. 
This is going to be a reality. There's nothing that you can do to, to, to stop it from happening as such. But, but, but he told Timothy, mark this, come to terms with this, that perilous or difficult times are going to come. And then the first thing he said, because people are going to be lovers <clears throat> of themselves. People are going to be self-consumed. People are going to be self-interested on steroids. It's going to be me, myself, and nobody else. And so Paul told Timothy, you got to come to terms with this reality that this is going to be some difficult decades that are going to occur, and we are living through some of those difficult decades. But Paul did not pin this for Timothy to just throw his hands up in, in, in a state of despair and just say, well, there's nothing that we can do. That we are just resolved to this situation, that there's nothing that we can do to, to, to process through these difficult times. And I, I, and I went back and listened to the message. I don't think I did a real good job of answering the, the important question when we preach is the so what question. Now that you've told me all of this, now so what? How does this relate to me? What am I supposed to do in light of this reality? Yes, we're going to have these difficult, hard, challenging times, but the question comes, Rev, what do I do? And so I want to try to answer some of that this morning as we process through this message. And I'm going to be answering two broad questions this morning. When we say, well, I should say I'm going to give you two broad answers. So how do you navigate, Daniel, these perilous times that Paul said is a reality? How do we navigate these perilous times? Well, point number one, you and I, you and me, have to live as if we are going to die today. Now, I'm going to unpack what I mean by that. In order for you to navigate perilous times that are a reality, you must live as if you're going to die today. Now, you may say, well, why do I need to live as if I'm going to die today? Or how may I do that? It's the first question I want to ask. Then I'm going to tell you why. Well, the reason... Or how you are to uh, live as if you're going to die today, the first thing you got to do, Sister Karen, is that you must put your spiritual house in order. You must put your spiritual house in order. If you're going to navigate these difficult, hard, dangerous, perilous times that we live in, the very fundamental first thing that you got to do is that you got to put your spiritual house in order. Now, now let's go to, uh, I want to take you to 2 Kings chapter 20, because 2 Kings chapter 20 verses 1 through 2 is going to answer why this is so vitally important. 2 Kings chapter 20 verses 1 through 2 and it reads, and it's on the screen. It says, in those days, Hezekiah, and Hezekiah was one of the kings of Judah. Hezekiah was one of the good kings of Judah. Hezekiah was one of those kings who followed hard after the Lord. 
Hezekiah was one of those kings who did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. But I want you to notice what the text says about this good king who followed the Lord, who did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. The text says he became ill. He became sick. And and, and he was at the point of death. And then the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, went to him and said, This It's what the Lord says. Put your house in order. Why? I can't hear you. Why? I I didn't hear you. Why? Because you are going to die. Harvest. And all those who are listening to me by stream. If you were born, you are going to die. Pastor Mike always says that death is an appointment you ain't going to be able to cancel. You may be able to cancel your doctor's appointments. You may be able to cancel your hair appointment. You may be able to cancel your car service appointment, but death is an appointment that you will not be able to cancel. There is coming a day when all of us will breathe our last, give up our spirits, and die. Now the big question that is before us is that what we don't know is we don't know when we're going to die, and we don't know how. See, that's the big question. We don't know how we're going to die, we don't know when we're going to die. But, but, but God, through Isaiah, told Hezekiah, put your house in order because you are going to die. That word applies to you and I today. You are going to die one day. It may be today. It may be tomorrow. It may be five years from now. It may be ten years from now. But one day... We're going to die. You may die in your sleep. You may die in a car accident. You may die by a multitude of ways that we can exit this life. But make no mistake, you're going to die. Now, now I don't know about you, Pastor Mike, but there's some ways I don't want to die. You know, I don't want to die in a watery grave, so I, I have a thing with water. Me and water don't get along, so I don't want to die in, in no water. And as much as I like to fly, Sister Jewel, I really don't want to die in an airplane crash. You know, and if I do, I'm going to ask the Lord to just please kill me before we hit the ground. All right, just don't, don't let me live it all the way out. So, so Matthew, I don't want to die in water. I don't want to die in a plane crash. I don't want to die in a car crash. I want to go like the folks in the Old Testament that said they lived to a good old age, breathed their last, and gave up the ghost. That's the way I want to go. I want to go the way my father went. My father died in his sleep. He went to sleep one night and didn't wake up. That's how I want to go. He wasn't a burden on anybody. There was no protracted illness. Now, that's the way I want to go. That's my preference. But I have no guarantees how I'm going to die. I have no guarantees. And we need to have this hard conversation about death. The Bible says that we're going to die. It is a promise. 
It's appointed unto man once to die. After that, the judgment. So if you're going to navigate these perilous times, you've got to come to terms with the reality that you need to set your spiritual house in order because you're going to die. None of us, though, want to die tragically like those little children in Uvalde, Texas. None of us want to die like those precious saints that died in Buffalo. But we have no guarantees. We are living in perilous times, so there is a chance that we could die just like they did. The folks at St. Stephen's just having a potluck dinner in church, and yet they lose their life. The saints at Mother Bethel in South Carolina, Bible study on Wednesday night, they lose their life. So if we are going to navigate these perilous times that Paul talked about, it is incumbent upon us to take care of the most important business that we can take care of, and that is to do what God told Hezekiah. You better put your house in order. You better put your spiritual house in order. But now that leads to another question connected to putting our spiritual house in order, and that is the question, Brother Wayman, is how do I do that? How do I put my spiritual house in order? Well, well, Brother Wayman, I'm glad you asked because the answer is simple. The simple answer found in the Gospel of John as echoed from the lips of Jesus is that you must be born again. If you're going to put your house in order or the way that you put your house in order, Deacon Curry, is that you must be born again. You, you must be born from above. You must be born anew. You must be spiritually reborn if you're going to put your spiritual house in order. You got to get saved. You got to get saved. You got to be born again. And I know we don't talk a whole lot about being born again. This is Christianity 101. This is basic Christianity. But basic Christianity starts with this idea that man is sinful. Man is away from God. Man and woman are separated from God. And that Jesus said, in order to rectify that remedy, you must be born again. I know you hear the Baptists talk about it a lot, but but the Baptists are right. You must. You must. You got to be born again. You got to be born from above. Now, let's 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 listen. Let's 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 go back to John's gospel. John chapter three. Let's let's look at the narrative and what Jesus said to this. This Pharisee, this religious man, this scholar, this Bible scholar who came to Jesus at night. Verse 3 of, I'm sorry, chapter 3 of the book of John. Jesus said, now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. 
Because no one can perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very, verily I say unto you, No one can see or come to know the kingdom unless they are what? Unless they are born again. Then Nicodemus said, How can someone be born again when they are old? Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Verily, verily I say unto you, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, and the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. Essentially what Jesus is saying is that you've got to have a natural birth, but you also got to have a spiritual birth. And the spiritual birth comes by being born again. Being born again means that you have recognized that you are a sinner, that you are alienated from God, that you are in need of his grace and his mercy in your life, and you repent of your sin, you turn away from your former life, and you embrace what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, and you accept that as, as, as payment for the penalty of your sins. And the Bible says that you will be born again. That is how you set your spiritual house in order. And let me tell you, you are not too old and you're not too young to get your spiritual house in order. And so I'm talking to the, I'm talking to the young men in here. I'm talking to the middle-aged. Everybody in here applies. It doesn't matter how old you are because you can die at any age. Do not think, hoarding boys, young men, that this don't apply to you because you're too young. Matt, don't think this doesn't apply to you at your age because you're too young. People dying from one breath of life to a hundred plus. There is no there, there is no such thing that well we're exempt because we are young. Open your eyes and pay attention to what's going on around you and learn from life. It doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter. Don't put off the call for salvation thinking that somehow you got a promise to tomorrow. But the Bible makes it clear, tomorrow is not promised to any of us. You don't know. And so while you're planning everything else, you're planning to go off to college, you're planning to go get a job, you're planning to get married, you're planning to get a girlfriend, you're planning to buy a house, but you better put your spiritual house in order. You better take care of the most important business that you can take care of, and that is your relationship with God, because there is an afterlife. I know folks don't talk about it. People don't talk about hell anymore. They don't want to talk about hell. They, 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 they sugarcoat hell as if hell doesn't exist, or they try to banish hell from the theological pages. But I'm here to tell you hell is real. It hasn't been banished. It hasn't gone away. And you're not going to get to heaven on your parents' coattail. You're not going to get to heaven based on your, your parents' relationship with God. If we're going to navigate, live successfully through these perilous 
dangerous times that we are living in. And that they are dangerous. They are challenging. The first order of business is to take and do business with God. Most of us would like to live as long as mom catered, who lived a beautiful life. But you ain't got no guarantee you're going to live that long. I'm a couple of years shy of the age that my dad died. I might not make it. I don't know. I'm in better health than he was. But just because I was in, I'm in better health than he was doesn't mean I'm going to make it. So now, if, if you don't know Jesus, I know usually we lead this to the end of the service, but no, no, right now. If you don't know Jesus... You, you need to do business with Jesus. Jesus is calling to you right now. Jesus is calling to you right now. If you're in this service, if you don't know Jesus, if you're watching me by YouTube, whenever you're watching me, if you don't know Jesus Christ, that is the most important work that you could ever do is get your life right with God. And if this is scaring you some, then good. Good. That's how my cousin came to faith in the Lord. He got scared because of a sermon that he heard called Excuses. He laughed at me when he came to visit me because I was saved at that point, but he called back later. He had gotten right. And he was walking with the Lord. He'd been walking with the Lord ever since then because the preacher took away every excuse he had. So, so the very first thing that you need to do broadly, if you're going to live through perilous times, is you have to live as if you're going to die today. And the way you do that is put your spiritual house in order. And the way you do that is that you must be born again. The second broad thing that, that you got to do if you're going to navigate successfully through perilous times, is that you've got to live like you're not going to die today. You may say, that's contradictory. No, you've got, to, you've got to live with those two tensions. You've got to live like you're going to die today, Sister Angie and Brother Will. You've got to die, you've got to live like you're going to live a long time. And what I mean by that is that even in the midst of these hard times, we got to recognize that God has called us to walk by faith and not by fear. Just because we live in difficult, hard times doesn't mean that we got to sequester ourselves in our homes, that we, we got to stop living, that we got to stop going shopping, that we got to stop doing and we got to stop living. No, we got to walk by faith. You gotta live as if you're gonna live a long time. You just can't stay sequestered up in your house. Because when I was talking to my nephew, he was like, "Man, I just don't know if I could even go to the gym." I, I mean, my, my godson, I don't know if I can go to Walmart because this can happen anywhere. And yes, that is true. But we are people of God. We walk by faith, not by fear. You can't allow fear to consume you. You can't allow fear to paralyze you. You can't allow fear to stop you from living life. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to walk by 
faith. And faith is this bold, confident assurance of in God that, that whether I live, I live unto Christ. And whether I die, I die unto Christ. I'm not going to stop living because times have gotten difficult, times have gotten hard. Yes, people are crazy. Yes, people are doing all kind of things out here. But you still got to enter into life. You got to still live. You got to still, I mean, because I mean, all of a sudden we could decide we ain't coming to church. Because people been killing folks in church. You're going to let fear keep you from coming? You're going to stop going to Walmart? Now, I'm not asking you, I'm not telling you to be foolish. But at the same time, though, I'm not telling you, you can't allow yourself to just be paralyzed with fear. The Bible tells us that we're, we're to walk by faith, not by sight. Listen to what 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says that God has not what? He's not giving us a what? God has not. God hasn't. God hasn't. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. God has not given us a fearful spirit, Sister Kezia. God has called us to walk by faith. Again, walking by faith is walking in confidence, walking in assurance, walking in knowing who we believe in. That even if we do die, I know where I'm going. I'm going to be with Jesus. I ain't going to worry about how I go all because I've already settled that issue. Because I know I'm going to die one day. I ain't ready to go. I don't have a death wish. I love life. But you know, I'm not going to be paralyzed, Sister Treasure. I'm not going to stop enjoying life. I'm not going to stop doing things. I'm not going to stop going places. I'm not going to be sequestered in my house, huddled up, thinking that somehow that's going to save me because you do know they can break in your house. (laughs) They're breaking in your car. They're breaking in your house. They're breaking in the church. You ain't off limits. It don't matter where you live. It don't matter how many alarm systems you have, how many bars you got. If somebody wants to get in, they're coming in. Don't put your security in all that man-made stuff. Now, I'm not telling you to leave your doors unlocked. You exercise prudence. But my point is, you can't allow fear to grip you. And then listen at what the psalmist says in, uh, I like this. Come on, Lonzo, tell you, I like this one right here. I thought about it. You know, that, that, that cat has some swag. You know, that cat, that cat has some swag. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Then that cat got to have some swag walking in front of all them German shepherds. But the point is, yea, though I walk through the valley, Psalms 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear. Why? Because our shepherd is with us. He promised his rod and his staff promised to be comfort to us. So, yeah, yeah, you may walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm not going to fear because God promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And so we do not have to succumb to fear. So you got to live. You got to live as if you're going to live a long time, which means you got to engage life. And then another thing you need to do is that you need to be 
faithful where you have been planted. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, let's look at Jeremiah 29, verses 4 through 7 for me to explain. And y'all going to be excited. I'm almost done. Almost done, Pastor Frank. Almost. 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 Jeremiah 29. Now, Jeremiah 29, the bulk of Jeremiah 29 is, is a letter that Jeremiah wrote to the Jews who had been taken exile into Babylon. God is the one who orchestrated their deportation from Jerusalem to Babylon because Judah because of their disobedience. God had warned them multiple times to get right, to repent of their sins, but they refused to do so. And so God used Babylon as a means of punishing them for their sins. Well, there were some false prophets who kept telling the people in Babylon that you guys are going to go back home real soon. But God told them, you're going to be there for 70 years. You're going to be there for 70 years. And God told Jeremiah, write this letter to tell them, don't listen to those false prophets, but this is the true word from the Lord. And this is what it says. This is what the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles I deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now listen to what God says in verse 5, what he told them. He told them to build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. Seek the welfare of the city. I have deported you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf because when it has prosperity, you will prosper too. Essentially, God was telling them, Deacon Curry, flourish where you have been planted. You're going to be here for 70 years. So you may as well settle down, build you some homes, marry, get married, have children, multiply, because you're not going anywhere. And so my word to us today is that we need to flourish where we have been planted. Now, I'm not saying that God necessarily orchestrated the slave trade, all that kind of stuff, but, but, but make no mistake, we's him. And what God was telling the Jews back then, that you need to be involved in the life of where I have planted you. You in Babylon, you not in Jerusalem, so you need to be involved in the welfare of this city. You need to participate in what's going on in this city. You need to pray for this city. You need to seek the shalom of this city, the soundness and the wholeness of this city. And so you need to be involved in the body politic of this city. And so what I'm trying to tell us today is that we need to bloom, we need to flourish where we have been planted. We have been planted in the United States 
of America. And we need to be involved in the life of this nation. We need to participate in the life of this nation. We need to understand how this nation functions, that we live in a democratic republic, which means that we as individuals, we vote, we put people in office, we hold them accountable, we do the things that we need to do. So we just can't sit back with our our, our hands on our seats into the stool of do nothing and then complain about what's going on. God is saying you need to be involved in this nation. You need to seek the welfare of this nation. So if that means you need to go out and protest, go protest. If you need to you need to advocate, go advocate. You need to be involved in this city. You can't just sit back and wait. Flourish where you've been planted. I don't know about you. I ain't going nowhere. When I leave here, I'm leaving here in a box. God's called me here. This is, what my, this is the only country I've known. I have great love for Africa, but, but, I, but God put me here. And so I'm going to be faithful here, Reverend Will. And so that means I'm going to understand how this country operates. I'm going to be involved, Pastor Mike, as a citizen of this nation so that I can enact change, so I can be a part of the process of making change happen. So I'm going to seek the welfare of everybody, so I'm going to participate in the process. So you got to live like, because you got to think about, it ain't just about us, it's about the generations coming behind us. So that's what God told them. He says, seek the welfare, seek the completeness, the soundness, the wholeness of the city I deported you to. We have a responsibility as Christians in this nation to be involved in what happens in this nation. And that comes from understanding how it functions. We don't live in a pure democracy. We live in a democratic republic, which is a representative form of government, which means that the people who are in office get there because of us. We get to participate. We get to choose who's in, and we get to participate in who's out. But, but, but if you don't exercise how the country is set up, now I know everything is not kosher, everything ain't right, but you still got to be a part of the process. Do you really believe that everything was right in Babylon? Do you not think the deck was stacked against the Jews in Babylon? But God still told them to seek the welfare of the city because if the city prospers, so shall you. So we need to seek the peace of the United States of America. And, 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 and can I say, can I just say this? I, we need to seek it more than anybody because our ancestors' blood, sweat, and tears built this nation. Yeah. 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 If anybody, in honor of them, in honor of the hard work that they put in to build the foundational structure of this nation, then make no mistake about it. We should be about it. We should be about it. There should be no question about us. Because my grandma and them, uh, their blood, their sweat, their tears, their life was given. Their blood cries out. So we 
need to be involved. You got to live. Now you're going to die today. But you also got to live. Now you're going to live a long time. You got to be born again. You got to get your spiritual house in order because while you'll promise the actuality of your death, you don't know when it's going to happen. And you don't know how. But it is coming one day. And, and don't, don't make it hard on us. They got to come to your funeral. Scratching and wondering. Did they go to be with Jesus? Did they not go to be with Jesus? Put pressure on preachers and pastors to, to try to say a comforting word to the folks in the congregation. Because they got to wonder whether or not you say, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. Preaching Mom Cater's funeral was the easiest and the hardest funeral I ever preached. You know why it was hard? It was hard because uh, I know Pastor Mike was under, how can I put it? Mom Cater basically told him <laughs> he was under mandate. And so I really wanted him, because of that relationship, his mother-in-law, and his love for her, I wanted him to be able to honor her in that. That's what made it hard for me, because I wanted him to be doing this. But what made it easy, Sister Jewel, is because Mom Cater preached her eulogy while she lived. And so it was a joy to stand up to eulogize, to say the good word about Mom Cater, because she already preached. And that's what a eulogy is. It's the good word. So preach your funeral. So to make it easy for us to preach it. Please preach your funeral. So we stand up. We may grieve, but we can say, hey, one thing we know, they're with Jesus. They are with Jesus. And so it makes it easy for us to preach your funeral. That's free. That's free. I won't send a check in the mail for that. But understand, and I'm, I'm, I'm closing, that if we're going to live, these times are not going to get any easier. They're going to become more difficult. They're going to become more challenging. They're going to become worse. You ain't seen nothing yet. I'm not trying to scare you, but trust me, you haven't seen anything yet. If you thought January 6th was something, you just wait. You ain't seen nothing there. People are going to come even bolder. And as I promised, you don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know when death is going to come knocking at your door, whether it's you or someone close to you. So my challenge to you is to tell your loved ones about Jesus. Stop being afraid of what they're going to say. Stop being afraid of them rejecting you. Don't worry about it. I put you all under mandate right now that you will have a spirit of evangelism, that you will be bold in declaring the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that you tell people about Jesus, tell your friends you need to put your spiritual house in order. And I know being born again may seem out of date, but it is a scripture. It's what Bible tells us that you must be born again. Amen?
Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Father, we give you praise, we give you honor, and we give you glory for this little word. And I pray, Father, that it will fall on good soil. For those who are listening here in the service, those who are listening via live stream, and it could be that someone, you'll be watching this on what we call on demand. You may watch this two days from now, three days from now. You may watch this a week from now, a month from now. But whenever you are listening to this, my prayer is is that the Holy Spirit will bring conviction to your heart and to your mind if you don't know Jesus. That you would repent of your sins and that you would give your life to the Lord Jesus. We're all going to die. We don't know when, we don't know how, but what we do know of a certainty that if you were born, there's going to become a day when we die. And so I would admonish, encourage that you would get your spiritual house in order. And of all the things that I have said this morning, I believe that that is the most important. That you do business with the Lord, that you get your house in order that you become born again. And Father, I pray that this message doesn't fall on deaf ears of those who are listening to me right in this congregation. That if you don't know Jesus, and don't be mistaken that just because you come to church on a regular, that you go to Bible study, or because you come to Sunday school or whatever, if you don't know Jesus, We're going to give you an opportunity right now before we end this service. If you're listening to me on the sound of my voice in this sanctuary, and if the Lord has convicted your heart and you know you're not a believer, you know you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, we're crying out to you right now that you will repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus. It's not about joining the church. It's about getting connected with God. Join the church comes after that. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you again. Father, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory for this time together this morning. Would you stand in the presence of the Lord as we... Thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you've been blessed. For more information about our church, We invite you to either visit our website at harvestcpc.com or call us at 205-853-5033. Until next time, be blessed.